Welcome to The Deal with Yield, your podcast series covering the issues that matter most in crop production. I'm John Zook, agronomist for Winfield United. And I'm Joel Whipperford, Director of Digital Transformation for Winfield United. Joining us today in the studio is Greg Dahl, Winfield United Research Manager at the Innovation Center in River Falls, Wisconsin. Welcome, Greg. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. So Greg has been named the Wizard of Weeds for a reason. Greg, all of your research has helped Winfield United develop over 50 new and improved products. Uh, Talk to us a little bit more about some of the stuff that you do at the Innovation Center around the weed control management perspective. So uh, with regard to the Innovation Center, I am kind of the... Right now, I think the de facto ambassador for the Innovation Center. Uh, We have a lot of tours, things like that coming in. I kind of tell the story, lead people around. And then I'm helping some of the younger people that have joined us as they design research, stuff like that. Actually, my time frame precedes it by 20-some years. And... uh, I was involved in a lot of stuff along with Joe Janowski and other people developing the things along the way that made the Innovation Center actually come into existence. And we thank uh, Winfield United. We thank Land Lakes for having this facility. It's great. I'm so excited about it. We can do so many things in there we never could do in the, in the past. And I'm just happy to be part of it and doing whatever I can to move things along. So 50 new products or improved products. Tell us a little bit more about that. So one of the things that has been so exciting for me, I started up as a uh, farm boy in uh, the Red River Valley. We raised potatoes and wheat and other crops. And back then, chemicals were new. I mean, there, there wasn't very many of them. Most of my weed control that I did was actually tillage or cultivation. And on small grains, I've been spraying 2,4-D for 46 years. And that worked really well. But I mean, the chemistry wasn't there. And now I've been able to see along the way the whole technology develop. And it came from crappy products at the beginning Uh, that did very little things that uh, didn't work very good. They were really picky to products that did great things and cleaned up fields. And so we've had cleaned up fields, miracles actually from my point of view. And then uh, now we've got situations where the weeds have adapted and they've gotten a little bit harder to control, stuff like that. Another thing that is interesting is the technology When I uh, started spraying, we had 20-foot Fargo sprayers in pickup trucks. The nozzles were brass or stainless steel, and nobody used stainless steel. They were all brass. Now we've got all these nozzles. And the adjuvants, we had junk for adjuvants when I started, and now we've got some very good adjuvants that make the products we use work so much better. And it's been really exciting. So because you bring us back to where we started junk for adjuvants and yeah you know kind of referred to as well it was a miracle to control weeds tell us a little bit about that first product if you remember it how did that come to be or you know out of your first handful of things that you did what came together 
in your mind or in others to get that formulated to start to tank mix it with active ingredients or herbicides to get better weed control? So when I was at North Dakota State University, they were using vegetable oils and some petroleum oils for adjuvants, and they were okay products, and they were used with various herbicides. And uh, one of my professors, he was trying to make these vegetable oils work very good. It was at the dawn of the biodiesel era. And so on a whim, he went over and got some sunflower biodiesel. And we put them out into trials, and the results were amazing. It was so much better than any weed control we'd ever seen before. And that developed a whole class called methylated seed oils, came out of that. And then when I came down here, the agronomy company had already brought one to market called Destiny. And, mm-hmm. and so that was an exciting thing. And one of the nice things I had when I got here, I got to work on some really great products. I got to work on Class Act, which is a water conditioner plus surfactant, was a product. But it was built differently. My first work was on Class Act Next Generation, where we were substituting out some of the high-priced surfactant for cornsorb technology. And it, the cornsorb technology was cheaper. And my job was to evaluate them. Could we make this new product and have it perform like the old product did? And it did. And it was great. I mean... Once in a while, this would look better than the old class act. Almost all the time, it looked the same. It really didn't look worse. It was equivalent to the old product. And so we brought this to the market. And even though class act was a great product, we brought in this substitute product, and it's run ever since. It goes out on millions of acres, and it's still the product to beat. It is the gold standard. I'm so proud of it. And, and that was one of the first things I got to work with. And then I got to work with lots and lots of other things after that. So, Greg, you've spent a lot of time standing in front of herbicide trial plots, evaluating the performance with a clipboard. Talk a little bit about the work of trying to figure out, you know, blindly what herbicide and adjuvant packages are working best. And then bring me through the additional research that we can do at the Innovation Center in River Falls. Out in the field... We were able to do a lot of things, but one of the things we have in the field is we can only go from spring to fall, and we're done. We, we have frost on both sides of the year. We only have a period of time we can work. In the Innovation Center, one of our huge advantages is we can pretty much go year-round doing things. One of the really strong areas is out in the field, Yes, it's fun to work with good products, but a lot of my job really was taking things, seeing how they performed, and throwing away a lot of things that we're not going to spend any more time working with this. And now it took a lot of my time. I I would get like 100 products to evaluate a year, and we're looking for three, four to bring forward, and I got to throw all the rest of these away, either because they're no good or they're not good enough, or they're going into a market where we already have something where we've set the bar fairly high. Now, I'm not evaluating hundreds of products. I am evaluating maybe a dozen products because the innovation center, the people working with the greenhouses, working with chemistry, working with the spray analysis system, 
they are throwing away a lot of the bad players. So I don't even see them. And, and that's a wonderful thing. They call it failing faster, and it really is. And it is an advantage to us because we can spend time there at the Innovation Center, time that I may not have in the field, and now I can devote my time in the field with things that should be higher priority of, of getting to the market. So because we are failing faster and have the opportunity to um, maybe free up some research space in the field uh, between frost events, what are some of the new things that we're learning more specific or looking at more so on those, say, 10 to 12 products that we're focused on or that you're focused on for that year? What are some of the pieces that we're getting more specific to make better recommendations by doing that? So one of the th things that we're dealing with is coverage. How can we get coverage on the plant? How does that perfect performance? If we go to the spray analysis systems, the wind tunnels, they can evaluate what effect we're having on generating droplets of different sizes. And one of the things we made actually prior to the Innovation Center, but we're continuing it with the Innovation Center, if something is making lots of fines, we discontinue working with it. And so that's another failing faster type thing. But it used to be we'd look at things in the field, then we'd take them to the spray analysis system. Now we're actually looking at things with the spray analysis system. And then if they pass there, we'll look at them in the field. So those types of things yeah. are going on. So from the outside looking in, I guess here's what I've seen by failing faster. Instead of spending all that research space and time in the summer to look at 100 products, we can look at 12, but that frees up for things to talk about like, well, let's do some efficacy studies. So which specific weed um, is being controlled best with this adjuvant in this tank mix? Um, and then also look at rate studies. Yeah. A lot of times we, we just go, oh, here's a rate. Well, why is it rate? I've seen more data being put out on, well, we got a low rate, medium rate, high rate, or rates in between. You go, this is why we landed on the rate. Yeah, right. it's expenses. It, it costs. You could cut the rate, but we know we're going to sacrifice in weed control versus you could put way more on. Right. You're not going to gain anything. And I think that's a lot of the value that we've been able to hone in a better recommendation because of that research. That's correct. We can do some of that in the Innovation Center. We do a lot of that in the field. And then one of the other things going farther into it is that we know that different herbicides, different adjuvants work differently in different environments. And so we will expose these things. We'll conduct studies in a lot of environments everywhere from the southeast where it's very high temperatures, very uh, high humidity, where you may not need as robust of an adjuvant system. You may not need as high rates. And then there is a potential there because things are so lush, you can actually get crop injury. If you've got too robust of a system, you can actually injure the crop. On the flip side of that, if we go to the West, we have lower relative humidities, they're drier, the plants are growing in kind of a desert or semi-desert, they're hardened off. And uh, it can be dustier things out there. And so there we really need a more robust adjuvant system like an MSO, like a, a, a Destiny HC, like a Strike Lock in order to 
make whatever that they're going out with work there. When you talk about that efficacy testing, I think about a building materials engineer that is stress testing boards for how much weight they can handle, and they find that breakpoint. And that's one of the things, I think, John, you were an answer plot intern. Did you, you, well, you spray answer plots now. I was an answer yeah. plot intern way back in the day. And one of the studies that you had us putting out was this lower rate of glyphosate and just trying to get enough of a response to find the break point. Mm-hmm. Because if you put the full rate out and it was good conditions, the whole thing would be toast. It didn't matter what the treatments were. That, tell, talk a little bit more about looking at an efficacy study, putting the treatment out there, and waking up, seeing the sun is in the east, 62% humidity, 50 degrees. How do you find that break point? Because a, a little bit, I think the challenge you're tasked with is designing the adjuvant to perform on its worst day in the worst weed with the worst conditions. How do you find that breakpoint on a daily basis? So I did it the old way, which was we would just try a lot of things. And now it's become kind of an art form. But it, it is a hard thing because if we go out with full label rates and the weeds are lush and things like that, the herbicide is going to do a lot of the activity by itself. It's going to make it very hard to evaluate the performance of the adjuvant. So, yes, we lower the rate of the herbicide, put it into conditions that are not ideal, trying to force the adjuvants to work very, very hard. And a lot of times, because we've done this so much, we're able to do that. We put it out at this rate, this will work for us, and it does. We still have things every once in a while where we'll get too good at weed control, and that study's no good. We get a few studies where the control is too low, and that's no good either. And so it, it, it really is an art form that we've formed over the years, but it's pretty, pretty good. And then that's with regard to herbicide rates, no matter what the adjuvant system is. We've gotten very good at with hard waters, and we have different supplies of hard waters, and we can make our own hard water that we can test things very well. Right now, we're going into a situation, one of the new herbicides is uh, called Enlist. We made very hard water. We tested reduced rates of Enlist alone or with glyphosate. And the Enlist is antagonized by hard water. And so you can take Enlist at a reduced rate, put it on a broadleaf weed, spray the spray water's distilled water, and get very good control. If we put it into what we call 1,000 part per million hard water, the hardness is from calcium and magnesium, we can get rid of most of that weed control. It's antagonized. It doesn't work. And then we can take that same hard water and we can use uh, like Class X Next Generation with that Enlist and bring it right back. We get all the weed control we got with the distilled water. And that's what those water conditioning adjuvants do. And uh, it shows it very, very well. Uh, We've demonstrated it, and that can happen. If you've got very good water, you may not need much water conditioning. If you've got some really hard water, you do need the water conditioning. 
So what about uh, outside of hard water conditioning, um, adding the surfactant into a, a technology like Enlist, what kind of benefits have you been seeing there? Let's just say you don't have hard water. Greg, I, I'm, you made your own and, and we, we get ours pretty soft already. What's the purpose of using an adjuvant? So um, there's several things there with using a surfactant. First, I'm going to start here. So the different weeds have different needs uh, as we go along. Velvet leaf, a lot of the grasses in those systems need that AMS that's in the water conditioner in order to maximize weed control. Certain things like lamb's quarter really don't respond to the AMS, but they respond very well to the corn absorb technology, the surfactant, the high fructose corn syrup. They respond really well to that and really give us good control. One of the things with a lamb's core, it's very, very waxy. And as such, droplets are going to beat up and roll off of those plants, and you're going to get very poor control. When we lower the surface tension, those droplets will spread out, they'll land, they'll stay put, and then they can actually do their work. And so kind of knowing the whole situation, what environment you've put it into, what your targets are, they respond differently. And one of the nice things with a product like Classic Next Generation is we've got a combination of AMS plus surfactants, so we're, we cover a lot of those situations. If we, I say, switch gears, some uh, herbicides will respond to oils, and some will respond to surfactants. A lot of our adjuvants like Superb HC or Destiny HC or Strike Lock are combinations of surfactants and, and uh, oils. And we get the advantages of the surfactant. We get the advantage of the oil. We get a more robust product over a lot more environments. So for some of the listeners out there that have heard a lot of our seed conversations earlier this season, um, in some instances, we talked about answer plots and how we can get new experimental varieties and start to characterize those varieties two, three years ahead of when they're launched so we get a better idea of how they're going to perform when they hit the field. Can you talk a little bit of maybe the same thing? Uh, when's the first time that you've seen and were able to work with say the dicamba technology or the new enlist technology to characterize its performance with an adjuvant line how soon were you looking at that before it hit the industry can you give a little perspective so so we knew that they were coming and so i actually started working on the dicamba technology in 2011 and so that's well before the market and uh, actually we started playing with some of the Enlist technology, probably in about 2012, 2013, we didn't have access to the plants and we didn't have access to the actual products that were coming at that time, but we were trying to figure stuff out because we knew the technology were coming. And we, we learned a lot of stuff. And then we had to have agreements because the crops were permitted and all that kind of stuff. We had all kinds of regulatory stuff and agreements with the chemical companies, but they did allow us to play with it and, and figure things out. And so we started in a pretty good place. And then with the dicamba, so many other factors came in. We had to scramble very good in order to stay up with everything. We pretty much evaluated every technology with Dicamba that's on the market today. And it was a fun 
process to go through. It was pretty hectic. There was a lot there, but we learned so much. I want to just step up one level to the industry and your service to the industry beyond, you know, what you've done for Winfield United. You know, North Central Weed Science Society is is kind of the epicenter of academia, industry, and where weed science needs to head. And you've served as both the president of the North Central Weed Science Society over the last, you know, in the last few years. Uh, but this recent year, uh, you were actually named as a as a fellow to the North Central Weed Science Society. So that's a that's a huge honor to be bestowed upon somebody. Talk a little bit about that opportunity of the North Central Weed Science Society and the industry and academia coming together to address the largest threats to herbicide resistance and to really think through how we can help farmers get their crops without having weeds choke them out. It's been a real honor to serve, and I appreciate all of the uh, recognition that I've received But uh, it's been a really eye-opening thing for me with regard to weed control and and agriculture. It's so big, it can't be done by any one person or any one group. And as we look at these issues, farmers can't do it themselves. Our industry partners can't do it themselves themselves. We can't do it ourselves. The university, the uh, consultants, they can't do it themselves. We need all of us working very, very hard just to stay ahead of these issues. And it's been really nice for me to be able to jump between university and industry, uh, from farmers to uh, wherever I need to go, working with all these groups. And the people have been absolutely wonderful. North Central Weed Science Society has one paid employee, and uh, it is run on volunteers. And that was such a wonderful thing, how people will step up and serve and how committed they are and how hard they work trying to make things better for farmers, make things better for U.S. agriculture, make a better world. I am just so pleased to be part of it, and I am so amazed at how capable and willing and caring that the people are. It's been a wonderful experience. And I thank Land Lakes and uh, Winfield United for the opportunity to be able to have participated. And we actually did lead the industry, and that's something I'm very proud of at Land Lakes and Winfield United, is we are leading a lot of areas of agriculture. You've been listening to the Deal With Yield podcast. Today in the studio, we had the Wizard of Weeds, Mr. Greg Dahl, also known as a research manager for Winfield United at the River Falls Innovation Center. If you enjoy the show, please rate us and review us online or using your podcast app. And always, for more episodes, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and thedealwithyield.com. Thank you.